couple of kids laughed again, and Ms Dunning was just about to turn back to Darren when a woman came to the door and said there was a phone call for her in the office. Ignore the floor show, Ms Dunning told us, giving Darren Peck a long look, and read something interesting. I'll only be a sec. As soon as she'd gone, Darren Peck started. I can speak sign language, he said loudly, smirking right at me. Then he gave me the same finger he'd given Ms Dunning. About half the class laughed. I decided to ignore him. The girl next to me was still having trouble with my letter. She had her ruler under the word sincerely and was frowning at it. I found my pen, leaned over, crossed out yours sincerely and wrote, No bull. She looked at it for a moment, then grinned at me. Rowena Bats, said Darren Peck. What sort of name is Bats? Do you fly around at night and suck people's blood? Hardly anyone laughed, and I didn't blame them. I've had better insults from kids with permanent brain damage. I thought about asking him what sort of a name Peck was, and did he get sore knees from eating with the chooks. But then I remembered nobody there would be able to understand my hand movements, and the trouble with writing insults is it takes years. My parents go for a kid like you, said Darren even louder. They're always saying they wish I'd lose my voice. Nobody laughed. Darren could see he was losing his audience. Why didn't I treat that as a victory and ignore him and swap addresses with the slow reader next to me? Because I'm not just mute, I'm dumb. Your parents must be really pleased you're a freak, brayed Darren. Or are they freaks too and haven't noticed? He shouldn't have said that. Dad can look after himself, but Mum died when I was born, and if anyone says anything bad about her, I get really angry. I got really angry. Tasmania sprouted volcanoes, and the inside of my head filled up with molten lava. I leapt across the room and snatched the frog Darren Peck was holding and squeezed his cheeks hard so his red lips popped open and stuffed the frog into his mouth and grabbed the sticky tape from the art table and wound it round and round his head till there was none left. The others all stared at me, mouths open, horrified. Then they quickly closed their mouths. I stood there while the lava cooled in my head, and Darren Peck gurgled, and the other kids backed away. Then I realised what I'd done. Lost all my friends before I'd even made them. I ran out of the room and down the corridor past a startled Miss Dunning, and just as she was calling out, I saw a cupboard door with a key in it and threw myself in and locked it. The smell in here is getting worse. I don't think it's a cheese and Devon sandwich after all. I think it's a dead frog. I'm not opening the door. I just want to sit here in the dark and pretend I'm at my old school with my old friends. It's not easy, because the teachers out there in the corridor are making such a racket, scurrying around and muttering to each other and yelling at kids to get back in the classroom. Miss Dunning's just been to phone Dad, and the principal's just asked if anyone's got a crowbar in their car. It doesn't sound as though anyone has, or if they have, they don't want to go and get it. I don't blame them. Who'd want to walk all the way to the staff car park for the least popular girl in the school? Dad arrived just in time. I was getting desperate because the smell was making me feel sick, and Miss Dunning pleading with me through the door was making me feel guilty, and the sound of an electric drill being tested was making me feel scared. But I couldn't bring myself to open the door and face all those horrified kids and angry teachers, and Mr. Fowler, the principal, who'd skinned his knuckles trying to force the lock with a stapler. Not by myself. Then I heard a truck pull up outside. I've never been so pleased to hear a vibrating tailgate. 
The tailgate on our truck has vibrated ever since Dad took the old engine out and put in a turbo-powered one with twin exhausts. There were more scurrying and muttering sounds from out in the corridor, and then Miss Dunning called through the door. Rowena, your father's here. If you come out now, we'll try and keep him calm. I grinned to myself in the dark. She obviously didn't know my father. I took a deep breath and opened the door. The corridor was full of faces, all staring at me. The principal looking grim and holding a bandaged hand. Miss Dunning looking concerned. The other teachers looking annoyed. Kids peeking out of classrooms, some horrified, some smirking. Plus a couple of blokes in bushfire brigade overalls carrying a huge electric drill and a man in a dust coat with Vic's hardware embroidered on the pocket holding a big bunch of keys and an elderly woman in a yellow oilskin jacket with State Emergency Service printed on it, all staring at me. I don't think anybody said anything. But I wouldn't have heard them if they had because my heart was pounding in my ears like a stump excavator. Then the door at the other end of the corridor swung open with a bang and all the heads turned. It was Dad. As he walked slowly down the corridor, taking in the situation, everyone stared at him, even harder than they'd stared at me. I didn't blame them. People usually stare at Dad the first time they see him. They're not being rude. It's just that most people have never seen an apple farmer wearing goanna skin boots, black jeans, a studded belt with a polished metal cow skull buckle, a black shirt with white tassels and black cowboy hat. Dad came up to me looking concerned. You okay, Tonto? he asked. He's always called me Tonto. I think it's a character from a TV show we used to watch when he was a kid. I'd be embarrassed if he said it out loud, but it's okay when he says it with his hands because nobody else can understand. Dad always talks to me with his hands. He reckons two people can have a better conversation when they're both speaking the same language. I'm fine, Dad, I replied. Everyone was staring at our hands, wondering what we were saying. Tough day, huh? said Dad. Fairly tough, I said. Dad gave me a sympathetic smile, then turned and met the gaze of all the people in the corridor. Mr Fowler, the principal, stepped forward. We can't have a repeat of this sort of thing, Mr Batts, he said. It was just first day nerves, said Miss Dunning. I'm sure it won't happen again. Dad cleared his throat. <clears throat> My stomach sank. When Dad clears his throat, it usually means one thing. It did today. He moved slowly around the semicircle of people, looking each of them in the eye, and sang to them. Their mouths fell open. Mr Fowler stepped back. Then the hardware bloke dropped his keys. As usual... Dad sang a country and western number from his record collection. He's got this huge collection of records by people with names like Slim Dusty and Carla Tamworth, the big black plastic records you play on one of those old-fashioned record players with a needle. This one was about lips like a graveyard and a heart like a fairground, and I knew Dad was singing about me. Part of me felt proud and grateful. The other part of me wanted to creep back into the cupboard and shut the door. Several of the teachers looked as though they wanted to as well. Dad thinks country and western is the best music ever written, and he assumes everyone else does too. They usually don't, mostly because he doesn't get many of the notes right. When he'd finished and the hardware bloke had picked up his keys, Dad put an arm around my shoulders. Ladies and gentlemen, he announced, Rowena Batts is taking the rest of the day off. Apologies for the inconvenience, and if anyone's out of pocket, give us a hoy and I'll bung you a bag of apples. 
<laughs> he steered me down the corridor. Just before we went out the door, I glanced back. Nobody had moved. Everyone looked stunned, except Miss Dunning, who had a big grin on her face. In the truck driving into town, I told Dad what had happened. He hardly took his eyes off my hands the whole time, except when he had to swerve to avoid the war memorial. When I told him about the frog in Darren Peck's mouth, he laughed so much his hat fell off. I didn't think any of it was funny. What's funny about anyone thinking you're a psychopath who's cruel to frogs and not wanting to touch you with a barge pole? Just thinking about it makes my eyes hot and prickly. Dad saw this and stopped laughing. Okay, Tondo, he said, steering with his knees. Let's go and rot our teeth. We went and had chocolate milkshakes with marshmallows floating on top, and Dad did such a good imitation of Darren Peck with a frog in his mouth that I couldn't help laughing, especially when the man in the milk bar thought Dad was choking on a marshmallow. Then we played the intergalactic Ice Invaders and I was 27,000 points ahead when the milk bar man asked us to leave because Dad was making too much noise. I guess the milk bar man must have been right because as we left, a man in a brown suit glared at us from the menswear shop next door. We went to the pub and had lemon squash and played pool. Dad slaughtered me as usual, but I didn't mind. One of the things I really like about Dad is he doesn't fake stuff just to make you feel better. So when he says good things, you know he means it. Like... On the pool table today, when I cracked a backspin for the first time, and he said how proud it made him because he hadn't done it till he was 13. When we got back here, the sun was going down, but Dad let me drive the tractor around the orchard a few times while he stood up on the engine cover waving a branch to keep the mozzies off us. I was feeling so good by then, I didn't even mind his singing. We came inside and made fried eggs and apple fritters, which everyone thinks sounds yucky, but that's only because they don't know how to make it. You've got to leave the eggs runny. After dinner we watched telly, then I went to bed. Dad came in and gave me a hug.